0: .NET Rocks, episode 1068, with guest Rocky Lotka. Recorded Monday, November
1: 24th, 2014. Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. Here we are again, my friend... Yeah, it's, uh, and it's December. Yeah, it's t- almost time. It's almost time time, isn't it? It's almost time to give away $5,000 worth of stuff. You love this part, don't oh, you? Oh, I do. It is a lot of fun. It's great. I feel like Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> he said you only get to point at one person and say, it's you. <laughs> yeah, it makes them feel more special. There you go. Once we convince them we're not Nigerian princes. Correct. Yes. All right, let's uh, roll the music for Better No Framework. I got something really interesting today. All right, buddy, what do you got? Today, I'm uh, highlighting an Indiegogo uh, campaign for a device that is called Flow, an intuitive and precise wireless controller. Go to tinyurl.com slash flow device. Now, here's what it does. It combines um, touch with an – it's a round thing, right? Yeah. It's got touch. Looks like a puck. Like a puck, it's you can use it like with buttons, so you can touch the left or the right to do things. You can touch inside to do things. There's a dial on the outside, and it also has gesture control. So it's like a little leap motion thing that can detect your hand moving over it and doing things. And it's Bluetooth. Uh, a guy from Berlin is doing this. Well, a company from Berlin is doing this. And um, they just started today, as of this recording which is uh, uh uh november 24th and i already donated a 100 bucks they want to raise fifty thousand dollars they've got about 6500 as of this recording yeah i think i'm gonna to have to get one of these two now here's the thing i asked can it function as a mouse you know a trackpad right the answer no We needed something that gave us faster and better control to adjust the brush size in Photoshop, frames in video editing, simply adjusting the volume or skipping songs in Spotify. You can set the areas on the surface also as any shortcut you need. You can also put it on your wall, hit the surface to blast music, and turn the dial to adjust volume. It's completely free to configure. So the idea isn't that, you know, you have a mouse and you use a mouse for a mouse. Right. This is for mapping functions of an app to things on the flow. So not replacing the mouse, but increasing the ability to
0: control your machine.
1: Yeah. And and so, you know, if you need to do something that's going to take a mouse movement up here, get this menu option, a mouse click, another menu option or whatever, you could just program a a hand gesture and that would do all of that stuff. I like it.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It'll It'll be interesting to see what the applications
1: actually come out like. Yep. And uh, the minimum contribution, or perk, is uh, 69 bucks, I think. And that just gets you one of them. Yeah.
0: It's worth yeah. a shot. I'm, I'm a sucker for Indiegogo and and, uh,
1: and all of these things. Cause it's just so interesting. I'd love to see this come to life. Well, I'm going to use this in the studio extensively. It's, uh, it's your new big knob. It's my new big knob, yeah. So <laughs> what he's talking about is the Mackie big knob. Um, this is a a little mixer that looks that has at the center of it a, a well like a three inch circumference knob. Oh, it's a big knob. Yeah, and that you know is the problem when you don't have a mixing board. You know, you're all digital and stuff. And and something goes crazy, you need to just turn it down quickly. So, yep. yeah, that's we love big knobs. Yeah. yeah, and this looks like the digital incarnation of that.
0: I digital love version it. of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, who's talking to us, my friend? Grabbed a comment off of show 1015, which we entitled Modern App Development with one Rocky Latka. Yeah. One of the fun things about having Rocky back on the show is I can always take out his previous show and beat him with it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't have to do that because this is a comment from Dwayne Newman, regular listener. we I think I've read one of his things before. Certainly, I've read to myself, a bunch of his comments before. He's a thoughtful mm. guy. and He says, I'm with Rocky on the Surface Pro 3 as a go-everywhere, do-everything machine. Mm. Except that I have the i5, because I didn't have the willpower to wait for the i7. Mm. I've got an external monitor at my home office with a dock and two external monitors at the office. Being able to take my SP3 with me everywhere I go and use it for whatever I need is perfect. I sit at my desk with external hard drives and three monitors and the Pro 3 screen is very usable at desk distances. I write code in it. I unhook it, grab my pen, head to a meeting with it while I'll take notes. Then I go home and sit in my recliner, surfing the web, playing games, and checking social sites while watching TV. All the while, everything is there. With that improved battery life and new low power mode, it works more like a tablet than the older Surface Pros did. And email and other apps uh, are off. For me, this is the future of computing, and I love it. Awesome. I do have a separate machine for gaming over Steam, but that is because the gr- more for the graphics than for the processor. It's mm. also an i5. Mm-hmm. And the Surface Pro 3 is perfectly capable of handling less graphic-intensive games, but for my massive, world, 3D-heavy, high-textured games, there's a huge difference between onboard and a $200 dedicated graphics card. Hmm. You guys already know I agree on the Xamarin points. Yep. Yes, we do, Green. So I won't repeat yourselves. Thanks for another great show. You know, I mean, on one hand, I love... Dwayne's endorsement of the Surface Pro 3, because I do think it's a very cool machine. I do not own one. I have played with a number of them. But I'm also not of this camp. Right. I don't want one computer to rule them all, right? Mm. My my computers are becoming less and less pets and more and more cattle.
1: Mm.
0: You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. That, my, the, my configuration information, my, you know, setup, my personal data, all that stuff is not bound to any given machine. Right. I have a lot of computers in my life and that identity follows me around. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And so, uh, I have a couple of different laptops and most of the time I can't tell which one I've picked up because it works the same. And I have a number of desktops with varying screen size. I more or less select machines now. Based on or where I'm going to work based on how much screen space I need at the time, yeah, that's my basic measure these days so but I think it's a it's a philosophical thing of is the computer just going to disappear and our
1: identities follow us around, or are you going to maintain what is quite a personal
0: relationship with a given device
1: well, it's funny because we as developers need desktop machines, I think you know yeah. we, we need a place to sit with a lot of screen, even if it's a a docked surface three it's still a desktop experience, we need that. But less and less in business, you know, that's that's happening. So there is a little bit of disconnect between yeah. the developer world and the, the corporate world.
0: Well, I'm doing my best to float between phones, too, just to get away with this idea that I have one phone to sort of rule my existence. Mm. So I usually keep a couple phones around. I think you're doing this as well. Yeah. Because it just changes the way you think about this stuff. I, th- I think ubiquitous computing is going to take over that this idea that there's going to be compute everywhere. You may not own the machine. You don't care. Your identity comes with you. It appears on the machine. You work with it. when you walk away, it disappears. Yeah. It's it's true. It's sort of the cloud model just in everyday life. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but it also means that, you know, that l- reading Dwayne's comments makes you think how personal that device is to him. And I don't know if I'm missing out on something there, but it's, it's just another viewpoint on that. So Dwayne, thanks so much for your comment. It, it certainly stimulated some conversation here. Uh, .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET because we've got mobile apps for iOS, for Windows Phone 7 and 8, for Android and for Windows
1: 8. Yep. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have thousands of developer, IT, and creative courses on video, authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release dozens of new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial, 200 minutes of access, and a wide range of developer training courses, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack. So try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Rocky. Rockford Lotka is the CTO at Magenic, one of the nation's premier Microsoft Gold certified partners dedicated to solving today's most challenging business problems. He's the creator of the widely used CSLA.net open source development framework and is a Microsoft regional director and MVP. He speaks at conferences all over the world, user groups, you name it. If it's happening, he's there. Rocky Lotka, welcome back. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Glad to be here. And I just have one question for you. Aren't you glad HTML didn't win?
2: Oh, I can't express how glad I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, you know, that question might sound a little weird for people because there are people who say, what are you talking about? I'm not saying HTML is dead, but I'm talking about in reference to the conversation we had that started on the tablet show, I believe, and uh, which was all about HTML, CSS, the whole web stack would be the de facto business software platform going forward. You thought that because of the disconnect that was going on on the native platform side, and it was all fragmented. There was nothing sort of unifying about it, and things have changed. As
0: I recall from that show, and I think you're right, it was a tablet show a while back, maybe a year ago. You you were almost despairing, Rocky, like... Microsoft has just made a mess of this. This is the only thing that's going to work. We got to go this way,
2: unwillingly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I I suspect we will uh, generate some uh, interesting mail from people that do like HTML (laughs) and and for whatever reason really enjoy programming in JavaScript. But yeah, um, because you know, sadomasochism just
1: doesn't seem to be going away. And I got a I got a story for you real quick. Uh, So the stepdaughter is taking some JavaScript courses online, you know, she's getting prepared to go to a uh, a camp. Anyway, so she's doing these JavaScript exercises and I asked her, hey, how's JavaScript going? She says, it sucks. I hate it. That's that's her. (laughs) Now, she's doing it. She's learning it. She's getting it. She's grokking it. She's writing the code. It's just that from a completely going from zero to JavaScript short circuits the brain somewhere and the result is it sucks i hate it <laughs> well at least she's direct about it yeah while still slugging it out still totally nailing it actually but you know it's just the the pain of the all the abstractions and all that stuff of first becoming developer and first learning how to do all this stuff it's pain yeah <laughs> <laughs> but what has
0: I mean I when I first saw Universal and I don't know how you reacted to that i I sort of looked at what they were doing there that was a what a build ago and I my sense was okay universal in the sense of not universal at all
2: well universal in the sense of the old Microsoft where everything was still Microsoft yeah right yeah Universal on the Microsoft universe well and and really still to you know to this day Microsoft's actual universal project stuff in visual studio does windows eight and windows phone, but what was, what I saw from day one, that was so awesome was the, uh, um, shared project model that they had built into visual studio. And that of course works on Xamarin as well as anything else. Right
0: what do you see as the turnaround? I mean, so this is only a year or so ago that we were despairing about this. What's happened in the past year that suddenly it's like, you know what, this is okay.
2: I think it's a set of different things. I think, um, on one hand, the changes in Microsoft have been, uh, real and dramatic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, every now and then run into somebody who's like, ah, yeah, I don't, you know, they don't, they don't buy that. It's a new Microsoft, but, I think then they're just not paying attention because it's it's been really dramatic and the the fact that Microsoft has refocused on .net not only as um, a platform for all of their uh operating systems and devices but also to extend it you know they've embraced Xamarin and and are directly working to um make .net work on other operating systems and devices. Mm. Um I still am not sure I understand how they think they're going to make money at this, but right. the fact that they're um extending this really rich and powerful uh platform or development environment out into essentially every operating system, it, I mean to me that's the big shift because prior to Microsoft making that move and the the only real viable way to build client applications uh, across multiple devices appeared to be javascript right mm. so are we saying that xamarin has saved microsoft i don't think that's a bad way to put it personally
0: <laughs> <laughs> well there was there was a while there where it felt like miguel diacaza cared more about c sharp than anybody else in the world and i'm including andrew Salzberg.
2: Well, that, that was, uh, wasn't that their slogan for a while? It's uh, we, we care about C sharp more than Microsoft. We love C sharp more than Microsoft does or yeah, something. I think so. Well,
1: at the, in the Sanofsky era, that was certainly true. Uh, it, it certainly felt that way anyway. I, I, I don't know, Rocky, to me, it, it's a two way street. Xamarin had to be there, but Microsoft also had to embrace them. And if they hadn't, you know X- Xamarin tools wouldn't be working as well as they do in Visual Studio but it's what what do you think now i mean i i just did a class on Xamarin forms i taught a class and the first half day was dedicated to getting everything installed and it took the whole half day to get 30 people up and running on their various platforms it's it's still a little tweaky isn't it
2: just because of the moving parts It really is. And yet I look at our mobile developers at Magenic and you walk by their desks and there's cords and cables and chargers and Mm. docks. And I, I think that if, whether we've chosen to do this to ourselves or not, um, well, the way I, I describe it, I guess, is is this: that to end users, having mobile devices is a really nice thing because it right. reduces the amount of cables and other stuff they have to carry. For developers, this whole mobile thing has made our lives way worse. <laughs> yeah. But this right? reminds me Even of spoiled. development.
0: Oh, God, how old am I? In the eighties, where. I had to build apps that ran on the Apple II and on the Atari ST and on the IBM PC because there was no dominant desktop machine in that era.
2: Mm. Yep. Hey, well, and I mean, I think it's a combination of that. The, and and then on top of it, in order to build for all those devices or, or platforms, you have to have at least one of each. and yes. Yeah, you know, so then if you're like me and you you travel and speak at events and so forth, you know it's great. I get to carry my Surface. Um, You know, and, and you guys were you know talking about the Surface Pro three, and and I, you know, that's awesome. It's a very light, easy to carry machine. But then I have another bag that's full of all of my cables, cords, adapters, and all the stuff that used to be built inside my laptop. Right. I'm now carrying around. You know, (laughs) wrapped in Velcro straps because I got to get it through TSA.
0: Yeah, save me from the dongle in in my modern
1: laptop and and tablet machines. The freaking dongles. You know what it is, guys? Uh, The 90s just totally wrecked us. I mean, we were so spoiled with VB and all of that stuff where there was one dominant platform, there was one amazing language platform. It didn't have everything, but you could do ninety nine percent of everything you need to do with it. Don't you think? I mean obviously before that we had fragmentation. Now we have fragmentation. It's beginning to come together, but it's more it's more and more difficult to get all these platforms uh, you know, unified. Do you don't you think we're a little spoiled?
2: Yeah. I, I think we're very spoiled, especially <laughs> in the, in the Microsoft space. We really have been, uh, you know, we've, we've allowed Microsoft to create for us a really nice, cushy place to live for totally. the last almost 20 years. And now we're being forced into the cold outer world, in a sense.
0: Yeah, Welcome to heterogeneous land. Yeah, Here's right. your many, many cables. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, I mean, the reality is, if you're going to make a mobile app that matters, it's at least iOS and Android. And depending on how you're building it, several Androids.
2: Well, that's true. I just was, uh, doing a, uh, road to the cloud presentation a couple of weeks ago in Chicago. And as part of that, there was some research, um, and I, I think it might've been IDC, but in any case, the, the research was talking about the, uh, uh, level at which most Android users are in terms of their, uh, API level and, like 60% or something of all Android devices on the planet are still running Android 2.3. I think it is. Oh man. And you know, Android five is just rolling out. Right. But, um, if you're going to build an Android app, you have to target API level 10 instead of level 19, because realistically most of your audience by definition (laughs) is, uh, you know, that, that old. So.
0: Yeah, you just don't know. And I think it's one of the strengths of these hybrid approaches, whether you talk about PhoneGap or you talk about Xamarin, just to abstract away
2: at least some of the Android fragmentation. Yes, I think that's right. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you're – and I've maintained this to be true, is that there's a difference between consumer-focused apps and yeah. um, business apps. And, and I realize there's some gray area there, but consumer focused apps, um, you make either directly or indirectly, you make money by having them. And, and so you can, you should be able to justify building the app three, four, five, six times in order to get those different, uh, target demographics with different devices. Right. Because you're reaching, you're reaching customers. Yeah. But, and, and they,
0: you know. and the app is the business as opposed to B2C apps where this is a convenience to increase customer satisfaction and potentially expand your customer base.
2: Yep. Yeah, or, or B2E, you know, where you're building apps for your employees and you right. say, Oh boy, wouldn't it be great if my, you know, middle managers in my manufacturing shop could, you know, look at tomorrow's uh, projections on their phone and then, you know, increase or decrease their staffing or, you know. Yeah. Um, that's all great, but you know, there's no direct or even indirect revenue there. That's a, at best a cost saver. Yeah. And so you, you know, I think this whole, um, idea of, uh, now what they're calling CYOD choose your own device. Right. Probably makes a lot more sense to say, you know, either you have one of our two or three sanctioned devices or the company will provide you with one.
1: So getting back to universal apps, do you, I, I know that, you know, we can't talk about things that we might know or not know, but doesn't it make sense that Microsoft would try to embrace a, a completely universal app? And what I mean by that is something that runs everywhere. And I mean everywhere, not just in the Microsoft space.
2: Oh, I think it does. I think because we look forward, um but you look at Xamarin Forms, and that's certainly what they're trying to do is create a, an uh a zamel dialect that is uh general enough that it can go across all the platforms right and yet is expressive enough that you can use it to build you know real applications and yeah it's pretty good i I think if they continue with that model you know that'll evolve into something that's really quite compelling
1: so do you think Microsoft and xamarin are uh Trying to do the
2: same thing? Yeah, it, I think they are. And you know, it'll be interesting to see with the open sourcing of .NET, you know, although that doesn't include you know, WPF, but no, um, you know, is there any uh, – you know, do the two companies head towards some convergent uh, dialect for XAML, or do we end up with uh, – yeah you know, where we are now, we've got, what, two, three – I guess at least three different, uh, competing, Well, if they compete, but three, three different dialects of XAML that you have to know if you're going to build for everything.
0: Cause the, the Windows 8 Metro is a dialect. Yeah. And WPF. The regular yeah. WPF that runs, you know, sort of everywhere. And then the phone. Um, and then Xamarin forms, I think. Xamarin forms its own. You I mean XAML has always been fragmented. Silverlight was a different flavor. You know, mm-hmm. the f- and the original phone seven implementation is a fra- flavor. It's like they just shattered Zamel. I, I always figured it's because the core, w- the the original Avalon implementation was just too complicated.
2: Oh, I think it was. I, I think, well, yeah, I think they overengineered it in a in a sense. I, right. I think you know it's important to overengineer the stuff that we don't see. Yeah and it's important to build the stuff that we do see and use as as developers to be simpler and more consumable and i think you know they they did the uh low level engineering and exposed too much of it to us and that's where silverlight i i think learned it uh, took a bunch of lessons from wpf and abstracted the uh what we see as the api and simplified our- a bunch of things yeah, yeah. The, the visual state manager is a perfect example where we lost a few capabilities that are in WPF, but we actually gained something that most of us can comprehend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure it was you who said Silverlight was succeeding where WPF was failing because web developers are used to crappy tools.
2: Oh, I don't oh. think I would have said that. That <laughs> sounds really... You know, yeah, yeah. It's, let, let's say I didn't say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: it was a good line, more about what Windows developers' expectations were going back to the early days of WPF, because we were coming from WinForms where designers just worked. Yes. And I still don't think you can really work in XAML
2: without working on the source. You, there is no designer that matters. Well, the, the, the visual studio designer has finally gotten pretty decent to, to their credit, but I do agree. I find myself more often than not just typing in the XAML. Right. Um, I, I kind of suspect though, that that's because against my preferences, I had to learn XAML pretty deeply over the years. Right. And so what I, what I don't know is if I was starting to, especially with WPF right now, It would be interesting to see if I would gravitate toward XAML or toward the designer because the designer has gotten pretty good. Do you think that we liked the Windows Forms designer
1: so much because there was just so much less you could do with it? Like there wasn't scaling, there wasn't multiple devices. Like XAML can do so much more that uh, it doesn't really make sense to just absolutely position
2: buttons and fields on a form. Don't, don't you think? Well, we went to a lot of work, especially prior to VB six to make things what, what's now called responsive. Right. And, and I, I kind of chuckle at that because people are like, Ooh, this is a new novel thing to have to deal with different screen sizes. And I'm like, well, yeah, it was new and novel in, you know, 1994. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, you know, VB6 really came up with one way to address that with all the docking and anchoring concepts. And I thought it was a really nice abstraction. And it was competing, of course, at the time with the HTML flow based model. And, you know, now what we see, you know, roll forward, you know, all these years, um, responsive design kind of still uses the flow based model, but it turns out that doesn't, that's not adequate to accommodate all these different things. And so we end up with a, uh, an interesting combination of flow based and essentially state modeling, um, you know, different switching between views and styles. And yeah, in some sense, I almost look back at the VB six model and think, wow, that was, you know, even though it was simpler and less capable, um, it would still translate pretty darn well into an awful lot of today's requirements. And in fact, I, I often think that um, uh, if somebody were to create the a VB6 equivalent for the web or for XAML that, and, and I'm not talking about the VB language, I'm talking about the, the, the forms designer capabilities and, or maybe call it, call it uh, windows forms. I don't, you know, whatever. But, um, that set of capabilities, even though it's not gorgeous and, you know, whatever else meets the needs or met the needs of the majority of business development. And I, I think that's where, you know, the, the HTML designers, everybody wants full access to all the stuff and. And the same with the XAML designers, we want, oh, we want to be able to do everything that you could possibly do. And, and I get that. And at the same time, if I'm creating, uh, an application to, uh, help manage some manufacturing data in our warehouse, um, I'm not sure I care as much as, you know, as if I could be more productive.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is the challenge of, is this actually the best way to get this thing solved? wind forms we we had very dictated set of uI guidelines, but I do remember building forms for six forty by four eighty eight hundred by six hundred ten twenty four by seven sixty eight you know I guess it was responsive design you just had to be aware of that bit of elasticity, but the battleship gray design was the battleship gray design it was you know it was pretty focused
2: well and I think it's interesting that um You know, Microsoft went to this freeform, you know, do anything you want with WPF and Silverlight. And then when we start getting into um, uh, WinRT, then all of a sudden we're back to a case where the the guidance is way more strict, much more like it it was um, 15 years ago. And I think as a a user, there's a lot of value to that because, you know, to a non-technical user, once you've learned how to use, um, like, Office, you actually kind of want everything else to work kind of like Office because yeah. you understand right. it. Right. Well,
0: that was the metaphor for a decade, right? And you, Windows, came out with a new Office, and then DevTools came out so you could make your app look like Outlook. Right.
2: Yeah, and and I realize, you know, for, for those of us that look at, at uh, software as art, and, and I do, I mean, I get that. Yeah, you know, this feels constraining, but then again, I've got friends that are artists that will tell you that the only way to create good art is to work within a set of constraints. <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. So, it forces you to be creative. I mean, you know, I, I, that's and these are you know, gra- you know, visual artists, but I'm sure Carl, it, it's the same with music, right? Oh, Where, absolutely. You know, you have to live within a set of rules.
1: Well, it's more impressive when you're constrained and you come up with something that transcends your tools, right? A guy with a ukulele or an acoustic guitar that does something that's absolutely amazing that you've never heard before on that instrument is, you know, is more impressive than somebody who's
2: got all the technology and can do whatever they want. So in in a sense, I think we've, you know, we're dealt the tools that we've got at the moment, but, um, I really would like to see something, um, a tool that is more abstract, probably not as abstract as light switch. Um, although I think, you know, our IT people inside of Magenic use light switch to great effect because it does give the ability to create some, you know, really rapidly built Utilitarian, um, forms for data entry and visualization. Um, but I, I think it's too limiting to reach everywhere that VB used to up into the enterprise space. Right. And, um, but yeah, you know, and which obviously you can do with XAML and universal apps. And, um, but I think the, uh, somewhere in between is a better compromise. And I I think we're, we're not there at the moment. We don't have our perfect tool yet. Yeah. And maybe, you know, to some degree, maybe universal apps are, are, uh, one way to get there. You know, it, it's unlikely, for example, that, well, in fact, it's, I think, inconceivable that universal apps, whatever that ends up being as a platform will, um, uh, it, the XAML can't do everything that you can do on every platform. It has right. to be some lowest common denominator. Um, one one would hope it's not too low, but at the same time, it's not going to be as expressive as WPF um, pretty much by definition.
1: Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is?
2: I must be that happy time again. Yep.
1: Time to give up any hope of intelligence by targeting this joke to Android level one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dessert operating systems. Make it stop. Uh, maybe point one. Point .1. I don't know. It's actually time to give away a Component 1 Studio Enterprise to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today, let me tell you about Component 1's .NET controls for professional developers. Whether you're building the most modern touch-enabled apps or maintaining and updating legacy applications, Component 1's flagship product, Studio Enterprise helps to deliver rich, responsive desktop and web apps on time and under budget. Cool, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Robert dieball Congratulations, Robert. Golf clap for you, sir. Robert just won the Component 1 Studio Enterprise Collection from Component 1. That's a big pile of awesome from them. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December, that's now. Yep. Well, not right now. We give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And, of course, we ask our guests,
2: Rocky, if you had five grand to spend on technology today, what would you buy? I think of all the things that are, are cool right at the moment, uh, I'd like to try getting into the whole uh, quadcopter drone thing. Oh, yeah. And that's getting right. cooler yeah. by the minute. You know, it's, it's, I haven't done anything in that space, but I keep reading about it and thinking, oh, that's some pretty neat stuff. <laughs> and five oh. grand would buy you some pretty nice uh, equipment in that space. Serious quadcopter. Are you looking yeah. for aerial photography or something to bring you a beer? Yeah, I think I'd rather go with the beer. Um, <laughs> you know, although to, to be honest, it's the aerial photography. I. Um, think it'd be really a great deal of fun to be able to fly around and, and see things from a different angle than, you, you know, so you, who I, has, who hasn't wanted to be able to just fly? Right. So if you go Bing or
1: Google, uh, TGI Fridays drone, there's a story about TGI Fridays launching mistletoe carrying drones <laughs> this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great picture of a drone flying over a couple with a mistletoe. That's hilarious. Yeah. So they're doing that in TGI Friday stores. Well, it's perfect because mistletoe, it doesn't, it's not a, very heavy. And somebody can sit up in the rafters or whatever, just controlling this thing and having a good time with it. What could happen? <laughs> what could go
2: wrong? A <laughs> bunch of people drinking alcohol and
1: yeah. not it flying over
2: their heads. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong.
1: Nothing there. could go wrong. You could just pull it down and yank it to the floor, you know? You could smack it. You could throw stuff at it. Little kids throw, like, you know, potatoes at it and stuff. Yeah, no, no. You know what my dog would do to it. Oh, yeah. Your dog would tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> little little shards of plastic.
0: <laughs> and just so happy. He's like, got it, boss. Drone. What's next? Drone tasty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the more serious side of drones, I um uh, was just reading about drones used in automated farming to do precision- herbicide applications or pesticide applications. So they're using a a multi-spectral camera hanging on the underside of the drone to look for plants in distress. So plants in distress give off, they have particular sensors, they can see that this plant's got bugs on it Hmm. and they spray the pesticide just on that plant rather than treating the whole uh, entire field. Just where the bug is, go get it. Wow. Interesting. It's really pretty cool. And it just sort of speaks to, you know, the spectrum of things we can do with these quadcopters. All right. Halfway through the show, I don't know if we really talked about Universal Apps. I feel like we've really had a great conversation about this, where we are in the spectrum of doing development mm-hmm. in C Sharp these days. Mm-hmm. Do we do we dive specifically to Universal Apps now, Rocky? Let's start
2: with a definition. Yeah, I suppose since we've been talking about it for a while, we should <laughs> say what it is. But I mean, in concept, it's not that complicated. It's a uh, it, the assumption is that if you've got a common set of base class libraries and a common programming language, C Sharp, um, and you know, and the base class library is a subset of of the full .NET, similar to Silverlight or WinRT. And so you develop a common UI technology, you know, basically a uh, dialect of XAML in this case that has uh, UI controls that are common across Windows 8 and Windows Phone, uh, like the hub control. And there's a whole bunch of obvious ones like text blocks or uh, text box and text block and uh, stack panel. Um, Probably the richest of the bunch is the hub control that gives you the uh, kind of the news app type uh, view that you have in Windows 8 if you look at the Microsoft uh, news application. Um, And then it also, on the phone, it translates itself to be more like the uh, pivot control or um, one of the existing side-scrolling Windows phone controls. And basically the idea then is that as long as you as a developer... Um, use only the features of .NET and the features of XAML that are that fit into this universal subset, then your app can work on uh, both Windows 8 and Windows Phone.
1: Mm-hmm. And therein sort of lies the problem between, or the the disconnect between universal apps being on the Windows platform and something on Android or iOS, because they don't have that hub-centric look and feel?
2: Well, and perhaps more importantly, they don't have the control. They, I mean, the look right. and feel thing is an interesting question all by itself because uh, certainly uh, iOS apps generally scroll vertically. Windows apps generally scroll horizontally. Mm. Android apps kind of maybe sort of follow the vertical, which uh, you know, it's more of a wild west. Yeah. Um page so, at a time. So there's this big question, right, that I think Twitter started um when they released apps that work and look essentially the same on every platform. And Twitter uh, you know, either out, out loud or, or, behind the scenes basically said our brand is bigger than everybody else's brand. Right. And it's, it's more important for our users to have the same Twitter experience than it is for them to have an iOS or Android experience. And, and we've talked about that many times on the tablet show before
1: and now on .NET rocks is that, the, yeah, those are two different approaches to UI and, you, you know, this hub thing is nice, but for a hub, And how many hubs do you have? I mean, you don't – when we first started talking about Windows 8 on the tablet show, we were thinking of, yeah, have a hub to break down all the different pieces of a business app, right? But how many people really want to go from their main hub to another hub? And you know what I'm saying? I mean, your hub – the Windows 8 hub does a good job of grouping together your apps already. So why have another layer of that?
2: Well, I think, yeah, I agree. I think that you have to look at those metaphors and, and decide what metaphors are going to work. And then you also, I think, have to make a decision about whether, uh, whether your brand is powerful enough, mm. which obviously Twitter and Facebook are, um, and, and so is, um, all of the Microsoft, uh, calendar and, and, uh, um, Outlook.com, all these Microsoft apps that are spreading across all the platforms um, essentially look the same on every platform. Mm-hmm. They have minor accommodations um, for for iOS versus Android, but you know, there's no mistake. You know, there, there's no confusion when you open the Outlook app on, on an iPad or on an Android device. You can tell exactly what it is because it looks essentially identical. And branding is important to companies,
1: isn't it? I mean, this is, uh, uh, there are certain times of the day where I think, of course, all apps should be done that way. And then there are certain other apps come along and say, well, I don't know. I kind of want that to fit in with the rest of the apps on my phone.
2: Yeah, I don't know, though. I honestly think it's, you know, uh, I'm trying to think Swarm is another one. Mm. More and more of these, the more popular apps have big enough brands. And, and there are enough people that have, uh, an Android phone and an iPad as an example, and they want the doggone apps to look the same. Right. Uh, well, I
0: mean, Facebook led the way no, on this.
2: Sure. Totally. And, and I think, I think ultimately this is my, my prediction is this is where we're going is that we will create apps that have minor con- uh, concessions to, uh, Apple versus Android versus windows. probably. Right. Based on whether the, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the toolbar <laughs> or app bar buttons are at the top or the bottom of the screen.
1: Okay. And, so once <laughs> more getting back to universal apps,
2: <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, Just well, say but no. but uh, this is relevant, girl, I know, because I know, if I you're going to build a universal app, you know, so suppose that Microsoft created the hub control across Android and iOS. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and or or some other navigation top level navigation construct that you like better yeah. right? you know um if you're creating an app for your company even if you're targeting your customers but certainly if you're creating a business app it seems pretty likely to me that that part of the attraction of the universal app concept is you can write this UI once and it's going to on every platform, it's either going to scroll vertically or horizontally. It's right. going to have the same menuing structure. Um And, and at best the accommodations, you know, if you look at Xamarin forms, yep. they already do this where you create right. your, your menu structure and they automatically put it at the top or the bottom of the screen. Right. Um Depend and you as a developer don't care. Right. Um And, and I think this is the key behind the universal app concept ultimately is um some set of UI metaphors and top-level controls that I get to choose, and, and not as a developer, but as a you know, as a branding organization or you know, as a company, we choose this is what we want it to look like. And it's basically you know look and work the same everywhere. Right. And I have one code base that I'm maintaining that's also working everywhere, and all of a sudden it, it becomes tractable to think about. Um, BYOD or or CYOD in a in a meaningful way, which I don't think we can do today.
1: So I know how Xamarin Forms works. You have a portable class library that does the UI and the Xamarin Forms stuff. Uh, Then you have the native uh, projects, and you end up with you know at least two and possibly four projects in a solution that targets all three platforms. With the universal app, is it also a a uh, portable class library app. Is it one app that just gets tweaked for different platforms? Literally one project or do you have to have different projects?
2: It's different projects. And, and there's really two ways, both in Xamarin forms and on Microsoft, there's two ways to do this. One is with portable class libraries and the other is with uh, shared code projects. Right. And in reality, um, you can combine those two techniques and probably will. Um, Xamarin's tools work way better with portable class libraries. Um, it's a tooling issue, though, right. than, than they do with uh, shared projects. But if you want to get, in, in my view, if you want to get the um, easiest and best code reuse across all the platforms, you actually want to use um, shared code because it lets you use compiler directives um whereas portable class library forces you into uh, uh across the board lowest common denominator okay. so you know, and and like i said you might end up using both because in right sh- now you know you might use the pcl for your ui stuff in xamarin and use shared projects to get all your business and uh service you know uh proxy code across uh windows and xamarin and just to be clear, a shared project is one that
1: doesn't create an assembly, but the code itself gets injected at the IL level.
2: Is that how it works? Uh, no, the code itself gets compiled as though it were part of the project that references gets compiled in the host and uh, not the host, the, uh, the, the calling assembly. So yes, so, so and, and for, uh people that want to explore this you really need to go get the shared project reference manager uh add-in for visual studio hmm. it's a v6 it's out of the uh, gallery directly available uh, under the tools menu in visual studio and it makes shared projects a first- class citizen. Uh, in Visual Studio 2013.
1: All right. So, and, and I know we're this is like an amazing question to ask right at the end of the show, and I'm sorry it took so long to get here, but if you want to target everything, if you want to target Windows 8, Windows Phone, right, Windows Store, um, and iOS and Android, you really have to make. I mean, you can do a Windows Phone app in uh, Xamarin Forms, but can you take that app and then turn that into a universal app that will go all the way everywhere.
2: No, not today. All right, you have to have two different projects. To today, well, you're going to have a lot more projects because even the universal app um, solution template for uh, Windows creates a project for the phone, a project for Windows uh, 8, and then a shared project. And the same is true for Xamarin, where it creates a iOS project, Xamarin, or an Android project. Uh, a Windows Phone project and then the shared project.
1: Sure, I, I know. I realize that. Could you, in theory, in your Xamarin Forms solution, under in your Windows app, create a portable class library that has the logic of all of those things? And I think this is what you're getting at, as a shared project that they all use for logic, right? And then use that also in a universal app because. It is portable class library.
2: Yes. Oh, wait a minute. It's a, a shared project. Well, the, you could go either way. Which and is, so the, the question is, can you, can you write all of your code in a portable class library that meets the lowest common denominator of right. Android, iOS, Windows phone, Windows eight. And, and that starts to get pretty limiting. Yes, it does. Um, yeah. Or do you use a shared project and then just directly pull that code or compile that code into each of the platforms. And then in the few cases, and there are cases where you have like one or two lines of code that are different because let's say HTTP client Mm. is slightly different on Xamarin than it is on Windows. But there is a portable class library for HTTP client that does seem to run everywhere, right? That, that streamlines that. Yeah. And yeah, and, and so this this is the trick, right, is right. can you can you in fact find uh, libraries that have smoothed over all this, or are there cases where, uh, like, uh, Windows Phone 8.1 with WinRT doesn't have WCF? And it so seems if, crazy to even you know, try
1: because things change you know, so fast, right? I mean, how do I get uh, – I, I could get the perfect setup, right, the perfect architecture and everything works. Month goes by, ah, it's got to do it all over again.
2: And, and personally, this is why I like the shared project model better is because I can almost all my codes, the same, the deviations are, have pound if Android or pound if windows phone, you know, the, the, and it's right in line in my code so that every time I go into my code, I can clearly see, um, the slight variations that I've done for each platform and I can change or fix them over time. Mm. Um, I don't know. And maybe it's a personal preference. You know, um, the PCL thing seems to uh, um, increase my dependencies on others. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, Which makes me nervous.
1: So what do you think has to happen before, before this goes mainstream? And I say that because uh, I have many people, many customers coming up to me and looking at it and looking how tweaky it is. And, how it's changing so fast and saying, I think I'm going
2: to wait. What do you think has to happen before that will be the case? I think part of it is that the tooling has to mature. I think in particular on the Xamarin side, it's, uh, you know, when it works, it's really awesome and it's a lot of fun. Mm. Um, But it's too, there's too much time spent fighting with it, not connecting to the Mac to do the iOS building or, uh not connecting to the Android emulator to do your testing. Um yeah, little Android you know, emulator. Oh, oh uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh pain. Pain. Pain oh, 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 although to be fair, now there are some decent emulators. There are, you know? yeah. There's um,
1: there's the Android viewer or player, I think, that goes in a a view box that, or virtual box. That,
2: there's Jenny Motion, which is Motion. runs in VirtualBox. Box, yeah. and then uh, yeah, Xamarin now has one called I think the Android Player, and Microsoft yeah. I think is coming out with one or has one. Yeah, in, it's getting uh, better. 2015, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. The
0: 2015 preview has the new emulator in it, so it's uh, yeah, you know, we're we're getting there, getting there. <laughs> and and a part of this, in my mind, is we're moving into a new generation of developers needing to build mobile apps that are not leading edge folks they they want these things to just work mm. and, I, and i think
2: that's the key is that you know it's it's been fun for the last four or five years for people that are willing to put up with the pain right. yeah. yeah and there's that set of developers that you know the, the fun outweighs the pain well then, and then, that's then some of them
1: thrive on pain
2: right I mean, yeah <laughs> clearly true. clearly the nut job <laughs> but <laughs> But then there's the vast, vast majority of developers that really just want to be productive. And I I really think to answer your question, Carl, it comes back to um, will the tools or when will the tools uh, stabilize to the point that a typical business-focused developer can just work with this stuff and and not spend a big chunk of their time fighting with the tools. Yeah. Uh, You know, or for that matter, will it ever
1: because we're dealing with three different platforms and then within one platform, uh, you know, at least maybe Android and windows, lots of fragmentation in there in that, within that platform. I mean, do you think it's possible that it could ever unify?
2: I think there are economic drivers that ultimately will push at least business development to yeah. unify one way or another. Mm. Um, and, and I say this because I don't think that, um, I don't think companies are going to go out and write their internal software and maintain their internal software two, three, four times. Um, especially when you look at enterprise, you know, business software mm. has a 10 or 15 year lifespan. Right. And, you know, if I were right now setting out to build some business software, I wouldn't, other than maybe certain spot applications, I wouldn't write it for mobile at all at this point because, mm. Do you, what platform HTML, or HTML?
1: Rocky, you heard it here. Oh, HTML. <laughs> well,
2: what's going what's to be here in five years? Yeah. yeah. Okay. HTML, right. That's, that's, yay.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we're
0: done. No, no, no. So awful. Uh, but I, I mean, it gets back. The biggest issue now in talking to customers that are, you know, mid-sized businesses that think they need to have a mobile app, they have to cover all the devices. And if you update them at different times, like I I use the United Airlines app as a great reference mm. of everything you could do wrong mm-hmm. and still be successful. Yeah, it's their website packaged in a phone gap wrapper. It, well, but it's not. They actually built native iOS and Android apps. Oh, it's that I was thinking of a different one. But there yeah. is an airline app that did that. Yeah, that actually did and we know that's evil too, right? Remember when Uber put out a version for phone oh, that was just a phone gap wrapper? That was horrible. Yeah. But they did all native apps and every time they updated one, everybody using the other devices screamed at them. How come they got an update and we didn't get an update? Right. And then the UIs were all different for a long time. And then they've settled on a unified UI, which I got to tell you is basically the Wind uh, Windows phone UI, which I find hilarious that when you, you, if you, you use the, the, uh, the Android version of the United app, it's very wind phony. Wind phony. But- yeah, they've made it feel more like a WinPhone app. I think they li- actually were happiest with the WinPhone uh, app design. But they can't imagine how much money they're spending to maintain all those native apps. Yeah.
2: On, and on yet, the other hand... At the same like-
0: time, it's successful because it's made their customers happier, as happy as you can be with an airline... And I think it's got to have reduced their cost of operations overall for because they get fewer phone calls and fewer people accessing in different ways.
2: But this, too, is an example of a consumer-facing app where right. it pays for them to – so they don't make direct revenue off it, but it's no. marketing, right? The the face of their company sure. um, is their mobile app for an awful yes. lot of people. Yep. And so, of course, it pays for them – to make sure that the face of their app looks good to, you know, uh, to everybody that is flying with them. Yeah. yeah.
1: As happy as you can be with an airline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Rocky, uh, when the next time we have you on, what do you think your, uh, your leading statements going to be?
2: Well, I'm hopeful that the next time that you, uh, have me on the show, we'll be, uh, talking about successes with, uh, universal apps and, um, the the minimal amount of code that we have to write to reach uh, Android iOS and Windows uh, all with a you know, reasonably common code base that sounds like a great future to
1: me all right man thank you so much for spending the time with us Thank you so much all right and we'll see you next time on .Net rocks